0: The national defense strategy the Pentagon published back in 2017 emphasized a shift to great power competition, you know, China, and new technology development. So has the DOD been putting its money where its mouth is? Well, a new analysis of contracting data by the Center for Strategic and International Studies shows some glimmers of a shift in spending priorities starting in 2019. For more, Federal News Network's Jared Serbu spoke with the deputy director of the Center's Defense Industrial Initiatives Group, Greg Sanders. So it shows that it's not what it's
1: spending boys in
0: their same
1: they prioritize. We see some gaps in some of the areas like You know, electronics, uh, comms, and sensors that are relatively high priority, but are a bit lower than they might otherwise be. What spending has gone for, particularly during this most recent period, there was some lead on the more traditional platforms and the like that are part of the priorities, but not highest end or the particular ones that are emphasized under great power competition. So there's a little bit of a gap between the strategy largely driven by the momentum and inertia of the system so that what has been around for a while still has a great deal of pull and we attempt to move towards what's newest and most prioritized is slow and coming. I think one of the biggest other things I note is that space systems are up. You know, they're up to you know 6.1 billion from 2018 to 7.3 billion in 2019. But on the whole, space spending which admittedly we're only seeing the unclassified portion of still, is at a relatively minor level compared to many of these other priorities. So I would say, you know, be aware there's a good amount going to classified space, as it were. But that that particular portfolio for all the talk of you know standing up with the space force is still a relatively minor portion of overall contract spending.
0: And the paper is based primarily on 2019 spending data, so not that far into the actual effectuation of the defense strategy. Did some of the early numbers that you've seen from 2020 kind of reaffirm everything that you just said, or are there ways in which we can start to see spending more closely aligning with the strategy starting in 2020? We have seen a real jump in ships and submarines that I think for some of the larger fleet
1: goals, you can see the alignment. Aircraft continue to be up. But on electronics, comms, and sensors, that's still pretty flat. Um, And the other thing that has happened in 2020 was a massive jump in other transaction authority spend. But a lot of that was driven by vaccine purchase rather than defense strategy purposes.
0: The OTA issue brings us into R&D, which is one of the areas that jumped out at me in, in the report. It wasn't that long ago, it seems like, when CSIS's reporting showed some really worrying trends in the R&D space um, when we were really in the um, sequestration trough. 2018, I think it started to look like there really was a recovery underway, and 2019 really affirmed that, right?
1: Right, absolutely. So while there's a bit of a slowing in the overall pace of product spend, you know, in twenty nineteen we see a thirteen percent growth in R and D spending and it begins to be spread out a bit. And that spending is reinforced by what's going on in other transactions. So we're not just seeing, you know, the shift to new ways of buying. We're seeing some firming up of the classic approaches.
0: And I noticed the report did kind of split apart OTA spending in that in that R and D discussion. Is is there a reason to to count that separately? Is it because we don't know with the same fidelity within that OTA bucket if it's all R and D?
1: Yeah, there's a bunch more information on the full contract spends. Part of a freedom of OTAs is that there's also a bit less reporting. And so if you look at just straight OTA spends, you can see it's a like, well, it nearly doubles from 2019 to 2020. But again, vaccines are a huge driver there. And it would look like you might see a fair amount of increase in some of the early stages, but it doesn't necessarily translate. We're also a little uncertain about how much of the middle tier of acquisition is fully going to translate into production. So I think some of where the stages are in OTA are not necessarily as permanently developed as the stages in traditional contracting.
0: Um, Let's talk about some of the differences between product and service growth that you found. Um, Tell us a little bit about what you found there and and how that aligns with the strategy. So product spending was up just 3% for 2019 versus
1: 13% for services. Generally speaking, DOD is not excited to have a lot of growth in services. That's an area where a fair amount of constraints often desired. And one of the biggest drivers was actually in construction and facility-related services. So some of that is actually new facilities and other around. and I think probably some wall spending um, for 2019 in particular. So some of those are not necessarily the fallen traditional priority areas, but some of the other services um, have been in little steady equipment related services have not been rising too much which is good as operation maintenance is generally a place where you want to control costs
0: you can tell me if this characterization is wrong but it looks like really across the board we're at a place where most categories of doD spending have recovered from the sequestration days are there assuming that's right are, are there any particular areas where there's reason to be concerned about the health of the industrial base even in 2021? Or I, I should say it in 2019, because that's where, where <laughs> the data is from. Right. So
1: I would say that we're still only seeing so much of a transition to, you know, we're seeing more of the system development on RD. So sort we of kind of move from, you know, research to fall production. But I think that, that pipeline, particularly with the challenges of uh, COVID 19 to the industrial base, where very sensibly a fair number of deadlines were allowed to slip. Um, and you know, there's understanding there. But ultimately, the question of how much do we successfully make the transition to production, I think is going to be one place to watch. And some of the things where you're more dependent on the international supply chains, I think, are going to be an area to watch. though that's not showing up as strongly in the data yet at this point. We're seeing still a s- more stable like vendor count. There had been a bit of a decline in the years post-budget caps, et cetera. So that's stabilized. But I don't think we're seeing any evidence yet of really a massive intake of the non-traditionals, or that goal of expansion in that range.
0: It's obviously going to be a while before we see exactly what the impact of the Afghanistan withdrawal has been on defense spending. But but I assume at least what you can do is look at 2019 numbers and see how much was in OCO because there was still a pretty robust OCO budget at that time. Do you, Can you break things out in that way and see – with the absence of that OCO spending, real OCO spending, I mean, how that might impact the trends once that spending is removed as it now has been?
1: So, historically, we can break out OCO some. We didn't do it in this report specifically, but we looked at it in some other ones. And I believe it was around 10 billion, I think, in um, RIOCO. I will double check that number and get that for you in full. Um, so, I think we're going to see that drop off some, though the concentration in Afghanistan had been a little lower as there had been a bit of a drawdown there for a while. But obviously, one of the big factors of his final withdrawal and, you know, reinforced now by what happened was the pullback of the equipment, you know, support for the Afghan Air Force, et cetera. So the international services part of, of the industrial base that does things that go along with foreign military sales are going to be affected. So there's been enough of the rise of foreign military sales in some other areas that are less associated with OCO and more associated with either allies or partners that are in more stable situations, have been up a bit But I think will slightly mitigate the impact of that on the industrial base.
0: Greg Sanders, Deputy Director of the Defense Industrial Initiatives Group at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, speaking with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu. Find this interview and a link to the CSIS report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows.
2: Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral.